Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. All right, film study with Ken McCusick. It is still the Ravens bye week, so we are going to continue to do our mid-season evaluations. Ken McCusick, how are you doing this week? Life's good, Josh. How about you? 
I'm doing all right. I'm excited to talk about this offense because as a whole, they've been frustrating. And I can't wait to see your thoughts on some players as we break them down to individuals. Um, let's, we don't need to get into the detail of explaining the categories again, but if you can just do a quick refresher of the categories. Yeah, absolutely. So five categories, young producers. Those are guys on their rookie deals who are usually at least starting or playing pretty well. Um, developmental players who are the, the next set of young players who you hope can develop into your young producers. The, the, the two, top two categories are how you beat the cap. You have guys who play above their cap contribution or make a contribution above their cap, I guess I should say. And that's how you beat the uh, beat the curve, so to speak, in the NFL, where the salary cap levels everything and, and rules all, frankly. So uh, uh, those two categories are very key. Then we have the third category, veterans playing for market value. So those are play, people that are often cornerstone players you're paying a lot of money to, and they better be producing at that level. The next is the, is the troublesome category, the veteran cap value concerns. Those are guys you're probably already overpaying, and you need to figure out, do we need to get rid of the guy? And then the fifth category is transitional. And as Josh mentioned last week, that may mean transitioning into a lazy boy, but, uh, but it's a, a group of players who are on their way out in all likelihood. Hold on. I'm looking at your transitional players, and I do not see Brashard Perryman there. That All doesn't, right. Well, that you can complain about sense. it when we get to We'll, it we'll right get point. to that. But uh, <laughs> So um, today we are going to go through the offense. If for some reason you this first time you're listening to us and you're saying, what about the defense? That was on the previous episode. So just go on your little podcast player and listen to the previous one. If you want to hear the defense before the offense. And they should subscribe, too, and, and write a review. That, that's an even better. If you went to yeah. iTunes or SoundCloud, uh, iTunes, not SoundCloud, iTunes or whatever podcast player you use. Um, I use one called Overcast that works really well. Hit subscribe on to Film Study with Kevin Hughesick. Give it five stars. Write a review. And then you've got every episode. There you go. So let's get, all right, let's get into it. Let's get with these young producers. Okay, so the young producers on offense, are there are four on the offense, and you'll see for, for some various reasons it's not as good a situation as there are on the defense, as if you didn't know that the offense wasn't as good. But the four guys who are young producers are Alex Collins, second-year player, James Hurst, who's in his fourth-year player, and he's a transitional player last year, on his way out, and is now a young producer. That's as big a jump as you can make in but, this kind of evaluation. But that's also, that's also a concerning jump about... He's producing this year. What about next year? Well, I, I agree with that, but but what I'm gonna what I'm gonna go with the ugly duckling thing that he was really a swan at guard and not this ugly duckling at tackle gotcha. is, is the is the best hope I've got for explaining James Hurst's upgrade. Okay. All right. The next the next player is Ryan Jensen, uh, who has had a terrific season and uh, and is one of the top centers in the league, and hopefully the Ravens are able to sign him long term. Uh, fourth year player though also. And Ronnie Stanley, a second-year player at left tackle who just came up with what appears to be a shoulder injury in the last game. Right. They have aggravated it. So, so these, these are the guys that have been uh, – you could get excited for this year. They were fun. Yeah. To, they've been fun to watch. Yeah, they've played well on offense, those four guys. The big concern in here is the two of them are impending free agents, while none of the five on defense are past their second season. So Collins and Stanley are in the second season, but Hurst and Jensen are in their fourth, and the Ravens probably are only going to be able to afford to keep one of them. So uh, we'll see how it works out. I expect an offer to be made to Jensen. He's, I think, the surer bet of the two, um, and uh, uh, that's probably the way it'll go. If, if the Ravens can't afford Jensen or somebody you know 
Jensen holds out until free agency before he tries to come to a, a, a deal, then I think it's possible they, they end up bringing Hurst back. But looking at the competition coming back at guard, it becomes less likely that James Hurst is the guy to win that job, where I think it's, it's much more likely Ryan Jensen is the guy to uh, win the center role. All right. You said this is Collins' second year? That's right. Alex Collins played with Seattle last year yeah, was, in, in a limited role. Right. Surprised that they let him go after just one year. So were a lot of Seattle fans, but they had a crowded situation at running back, and they, they had a fumbling problem with Collins, and we had a fumbling problem here when he first got here. Right. But he seems to have figured that out. Yes. Yeah, it looks like he's holding the ball a little higher and tighter. There you and go. it seems to be working. Um, all right. When we went through the defense, we spent a lot of time on the developmental players. So let's do the same with the offense. So let's do the same with the offense. Okay, so the, the developmental players have a have a mixed bag of players, and the developmental players, unfortunately, are not as good or not as not. You can't get as excited about them, I think, in general. But we're going to go through one at a time and talk about why. Buck Allen is the first. Now he has played enough now to be a young producer, and he's in year three. The problem is Allen's yards per touch are still very low: three point six yards per carry, four point eight yards per reception. He's improved a little bit as a pass blocker, and we really see that when we grade the offensive line, is that he's making some good blocks, and even over the course of this season, he's improved. Um, he failed to pick up some blitzes earlier this year, I thought, but uh, but I think he has improved. Uh, he's still not a prototype third down back because he doesn't have that Ray Rice power and elusiveness. Right, we don't uh, see that second move from him. That's right. And Kyle Juszczyk even, I think, was better. He's a little bit better pass blocker and also had more ability to catch the football, softer hands, whatnot. So uh, anyway, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see more, but uh, but uh, he, that's where he is right now. And I think uh, he's, he's running out of time, but he will be here next year as at least the third running back, I'd say. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, what do the Ravens get out of him in his fourth year. All right. Um, Nick Boyles, uh, Boyle has at least avoided PEDs this year. Yeah, well, that's something, you know. So uh, a third-year player with a history of PED violations is definitely not what you want. Um, I, I don't expect the Ravens to sign Boyle to a multi-year deal this offseason. So it, it, normally after the third year, you might think about a quality young player and, and, and doing that, but I don't think they'll do that with Boyle. He's had an 18-catch season, but he's got no reception longer than 14 yards, and he's been flagged four times. Uh, two of those have been holding penalties. So he's primarily a blocking tight end, and to have two holding penalties uh, is not good. And that's a, there are a couple drive-stalling penalties in his four, so that's uh, that's been bad. All right. The guy from London, Illuminor. So Illuminor uh, has flashed some NFL ability at a decent first start against the Bears, but his aggregate has not been that good. A raw score of .67 on my system, which would put him – uh, just above the replacement level. So it, it, a without adjustment, that would be right on the DF border. Uh, it's actually, I, I don't want to get into this too much, but he's, he's played just above the replacement level in aggregate. Let's talk about it that way. Uh, 188 graded snaps this year. So uh, the, the telling thing about Illuminor is that when Skura came back from his injury, he immediately stepped right back in. It wasn't a case of split time or anything like that. Skura stepped right back in for Illuminor when he came back. Gotcha. Um, all right, Chris Moore is a household name because of his special teams play. Yeah, boy, I mean, he had a great tackle in this last game, and he's made a number of fine special teams play. I, he had the reception, too. What am I What am I forgetting here? Ha, had a couple of fumble recoveries, I think it was, last year downfield. Uh, he might have scored a touchdown on a block punt. So he's done a whole bunch of really flashy special teams plays. 
Honestly, that's an, as much as you can expect to get out of a fourth-round pick, but they thought they had an explosive downfield threat, and he's been very inconsistent as a receiver. So the nice thing about him is his opportunity is right now. The door is wide open with bad play and injuries on the wide receiver front, and this is his chance. I mean, he really needs to do it right now uh, in his second season to elevate his play and become that receiver the Ravens had hoped he would be. Right. So someone's got to someone's got to fill that role. So you definitely have that opportunity. What about this next guy, Josh? Yeah, I kind of feel like putting the whole podcast on on protest right now. I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how Brashard Perriman is still listed in the developmental category. Haven't we seen enough of this guy? Well, you know, the, the, the question is there whether or not he should be in the transitional category or not. I did think about it, but I put Correa there, and I didn't put Perriman there. And here's my reasoning. Correa has failed at two different positions, and he's lost his job. He's out of a job. Perriman has played very poorly, and... and, and you know, done way more harm than good. He's almost in the in the Evans category of bad in terms of his play this year. But the truth of the matter is that he's still got a job and is going to be forced into still getting opportunities for most of the rest of this year, I believe. Um, and and that being the case, he he has an opportunity to move up and play well. Um, th- there are a few things that are going against him. Of course, the Ravens are not going to pick up his fifth-year option this offseason. Just be, it would be ridiculous to do so. I, I feel confident. I would bet a lot of money they will not, even even if he played pretty well the rest of the year. Um, and uh, you know, that leaves him with one more season on the Ravens in 2018. It feels like he just got here, but he's, he'll be in his fourth season next year, and uh, and that'll probably be his last season as a Raven. We'll see where he ends up in the NFL uh, after this, but it's a sad fate of a three-year player that you don't completely trust. You don't sign him before his fourth year uh, to any kind of a long-term deal, and that's going to be the case with Perriman. He's going to have to play for a contract in his fourth year, and then when he does that, he will likely not be a Raven. In the pregame interviews in Tennessee with the TV announcers, John Harbaugh said Brashard Perriman has trouble catching the ball. He's a wide receiver who cannot catch the ball, and I think as many catches as he has, he's probably close to that with the amount of balls he's knocked into the other team's hands. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously a couple times this year already. And the, the first one, you know, blame. there's a lot of blame to go around on that play. We're going to get to a, a question about that, I think, in the mailbag. So I'm going to defer it to the, defer to the discussion of that. But I don't think it was 100% on Perriman, but I think some of it was on Perriman for not going up to get that football. Okay, and you're talking specifically about the Tennessee game. Mm-hmm. where he had his worst game of the season for a guy who has a lot of bad plays. Yeah. All right, I'll move on. I'll leave per- I'll I don't I'll leave Perriman there because you're the smarter one, but I'm not buying. It. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Uh You're playing the podcast under protest. I we'll, we'll... Yes. Yeah. Um let's just move on. Let's pretend we didn't even have that guy there and we'll just move on to Skura. Okay, so uh, Metzger has been a very pleasant surprise. So he was probably about the 10th lineman when camp started, uh, and he's now come up to be the starting right guard in week three. And you think about all the other guys that are gone right now, Siragusa, Yanda, Lewis, Illuminor will be returning next year. Of course, he's healthy now, but all those guys are going to compete with him next year. So it's not obvious to me he's going to have a starting role next year, although he's played reasonably well and and fairly consistently too honestly so i think that that he he certainly 
has earned a spot on the roster, but I don't think he's necessary to be a starter. And it's a weird situation, of course, in the NFL, but he's a Duke guy, could probably make the line calls on the offensive line, would be my guess. And it, his best chance to have a starting role with the Ravens may be to have Jensen leave in free agency. Not something the Ravens want or I think Ravens fans want, but uh, but that might be Skura's best chance. And he probably should stick around as the eighth or ninth lineman because he gives you some good center guard swing play and a lot of players they're center guards in name only so they could they you know you, you think they could do it but then they actually have to do the other duties of the center and they might not be that good at it and Skura's played some center in the preseason I think can do it anyway excited to have him on the roster I wouldn't really be all that thrilled if he were a starter next year uh, I would have thought something else went wrong like Yonda had to retire or Siragusa just falls off the map or Lewis comes back and they want to stick him at tackle because of other injuries but a lot of things could would have to kind of go wrong for Skura to be a starter starting guard next year for the Ravens gotcha well I like Jensen so I hope that doesn't happen I hope we keep Jensen long term right um We've got we've got a lot of tight ends on this team, and I guess Max Williams is more of the blocking tight end. Well, you know he, he's he's gone back and forth. In his first couple of years, he's pure pass receiving tight end, not much of a blocker at all. But in this year, he's he's had more success as a blocker, um, and and they've used him as a fullback at times. They've done some weird things with him. They they've used this full house backfield a little bit with him and Ricard, or sometimes him and Boyle and Ricard along with one running back. And, uh, and they've gotten a little bit more out of him in that, in that respect. Uh, he needs to have more consistency in terms of time on the field and in terms of catching the ball. Uh, he's probably done more after the catch than any of the Ravens' tight ends, maybe with the exception of Watson. But he's done, he's done some things after the catch that I like in terms of, uh, of picking up yards upfield. All right. Um, Kenneth Dixon is out for this season. He's already had surgery. Mm-hmm. How do we? And he's him? serving his suspension concurrently. Concurrently, so that's very well, efficient of that, him. That's nice that they're letting him do that both at the same time. Yeah, yeah. He needs to get back on the field and make sure he has another. Never has another program event. So, you know, to have two years in the league and already have trouble with that is bad. And he'll need to come back and avoid trouble for the next two years to have any kind of a real career where he earns some money in the NFL. You know, he's going to make about $1.8 million, I guess it is, or maybe a little bit more on his rookie deal over four years. But if he fails to earn his second contract, which is what can often happen with running backs who get in trouble, uh, then, then he'll never, he won't make much more money in the NFL. So it'd be a shame if that happened. Dixon appears to have real talent. Uh, he and, and Collins might be enough at running back to try next year, or maybe you go with another draftee in the third or fourth round uh, to, to have a three-headed monster. But Dixon was the guy who was going to be the lead back this year, and the Ravens lost him fairly early. Then we found out about the suspension, and you know now we don't know about his future. But he's still a, he is still in my developmental group with only two years down. Right. Um, speaking of, of being the guy, I think last season I saw – Alex Lewis, and it seemed like he was going to step up and and be the uh, be a, a strong guard for this for this line. Yeah, he played well when he was there. He played like crap at tackle, so he's he's in a lot of the Hurst mode here of being uh, probably better on the inside. And if the Ravens would use him there, I thought that he, not only did he show some power on the inside at guard, but he also showed very good decision-making ability in level two for a guy who's thought to not really have that much foot speed. Uh, you know, he had a good ability to, to decide on which block he wanted to make and line him up in level two. And I, I, 
you know, I like that. I really want that in a guard. We haven't seen yet if he can do what Hurst has done in terms of pulling. But I'll tell you what, if Greg Roman can get James Hurst to learn how to pull, I would think he can get Alex Lewis to learn how to pull too. So if, if the Ravens are without Hurst next year because he signs and goes elsewhere, I think Lewis can be the guy as well and, uh, and hopefully play at nearly the same level that Hurst has at, at a bare minimum. All right. Um, you've got Patrick Rick, Patrick Ricard on this side of the ball instead That's of right. defense. That's right. So he hasn't played a defensive snap in the last three weeks, during which time he's played 27 offensive snaps. And the last time he played any significant defensive snaps was was an injury-marred game against the Bears where he was forced into action for 20 snaps. And it's not... You know, he, they don't even really consider him a defensive player anymore. He's an emergency defensive player, but he's an he's a fullback. That's what he is, and, and an occasional tight end. I think they're really enamored with the idea that they could have a fairly nimble, large man who's nasty at fullback. I have not really seen that he's been a great blocker so far. I'd like to see more of him in that respect. I'd like him to see him be more consistent and, and get more drive in his blocks, like you'd see Avante Leach, who's 40 pounds lighter, but uh, but Ricard should be uh, you know, generating more momentum than and, and developing maybe some better blocks. So, uh, you know, there's a he's an up. You know, he's a rookie player, undrafted free agent. There's real hope he could be a better player than what he is right now in a combination of value on special teams, emergency value on defense, and a fullback role would project him into the top category. All right. Um, how is uh, Nico on the Ravens yet not related to Tony Saragusa? <laughs> I mean, is, is Saragusa <laughs> that common of a name? <laughs> I really have no idea. There was a site that the, the census put out a few years ago that you could you could type in your last name, and there were at times that at, at that time there were seventy one thousand last names in the United States, and I typed in McCusick, and it was number sixty nine thousand and something in terms of how common the name was. All right. So if you put in Smith or Jones, it might be number one, but but uh, but there, anyway, there's, there's I, I a, imagine there's a Doctor Soroka out there that I haven't met yet, but lots of people have met him and told me about him. Okay, very good. Very good. There's a water commissioner down in the, somewhere in Louisiana who's a McCusick. So, anyway, right. <laughs> it is what it is. So anyway, we uh, uh, we've talked about so no, we didn't talk about Circus. So Circus returns as a second year player. He had a knee injury. I hope that again, this is a player who can take some time on his upper body while still rehabbing that knee. Uh, it doesn't always work out that way, but he definitely is a guy who um, more uh, conversion of fat to muscle, much in the way that Jensen did it in this offseason, would be a good thing for him. All right. Um, you had, I guess when we went through it with the defensive guys, they were younger and I guess had more room to grow. Is that something that the because the Ravens have focused their drafts over the years on defense? Yeah, especially recently. I think the, you know the top four draft picks going to the defensive side, and of those, I guess all four we got Bowser, Williams, Marlon Humphrey's already in the top category, and Wormley is developmental also. So you end up with a lot of developmental players if you've got recent draft picks there. So, you know, it's not like they have some. They have Lewis and Syracuse. Dixon was a draft pick last year. Skura was undrafted and is actually playing on his first year now, so he's effectively a rookie. And you have Moore, a draft pick last year. Luminor, a draft pick this year. 
Uh, but the, the players are not as young. Allen, Boyle, uh, Williams are all in their third year. I might have missed someone on this list as well. So, you know, you have generally players who are a little bit older and not as good, not as likely to move up. And, uh, you know, I'm just not as excited about this offensive group of players. And it's not it's not unexpected because, hey, the offense has not played all that well. I mean, there's right. not a lot to get excited about. So, uh, you know, they've got a fair number of young players, but I just, I'm just i not as excited about their future the way I am with the defense. All right. Uh, the veterans playing for market value. Okay. So, veterans, veterans playing for market value means you have to be paid a lot of money and really earning it right now. And, and not surprisingly, there's not that many players on the Ravens that are in that position. But Jeremy Macklin is there. Ben Watson, Danny Woodhead, and Marshall Yonda. Now, Marshall Yonda isn't playing, obviously, because of right. injury right now, but no doubt about it, he's worth the money if he were if he were available. Woodhead will be back, and, and I hope he will still earn his salary this year when he comes back. Right. He'll certainly need the jolt. Yeah, I mean, he could be as, as back as soon as the next game, right? That's right, and if he and if he does, I mean, if he plays down the stretch from week 11 on, he could be the player, oh, sorry, from week yeah, eleven on, so seven games. He could he could be the player the Ravens need to make a legitimate playoff push. As ridiculous as that sounds, I was right going to say I can't believe you're talking guys. about playoff push. Uh, playoffs. Like, we'll we'll yeah. see how they do in Green Bay. Then we can talk maybe. That's that's right. So Ben Watson has had about the year we would have expected him to have, given that he's been back. Not a real high yards per catch, but uh, he's been a Flacco favorite target, and that's been the case with Macklin as well. Really like the game out of Macklin. We saw this last week with eight catches on nine on nine targets and that's the kind of rapport we need between Flacco and some receiver. Right. So that'd be exciting. Yeah, Watson's frustrating because he has that rapport with Flacco, but he doesn't move anywhere when he gets the ball. That's right. That's right. He's a lot, a, lot of, a lot of dump downs. A lot of dump downs, a lot of a lot of zero crosses as we call, which means he's he's usually running a one to three yard pattern either in or out. Uh, you know, sometimes it's cross, sometimes it's an out route. When he when they throw that ball Particularly on third down, short of the sticks by seven yards, it's very frustrating that you, you know, you see Watson trying to work for a first down. Right. Um, especially when it's a three-yard pass when you need twelve. There you go. And uh, so let's get to the Joe Flacco category: the veteran cap with value concerns. Yeah, so there are three players I have in this group right now, and uh, Joe Flacco is number one. And a lot of the franchise's decision-making has to revolve around how they're going to deal with Joe. Um, if if they think he's done or when they think he's done, it's an enormous organizational moment because there'll be a lot of dead money to be eaten. And at that same time, they'll make undoubtedly a number of complementary moves that go with them, which means you, you do other purging at the same time and you try and get younger all at once. Um, the other two players in this category right now, Austin Howard, I really thought hard about whether he's playing for market value or he's a veteran cap value concern. And the reason is that Howard plays at a position where the entire league is very thin on talent. So I really could have put him in the playing for market value, but he just has not quite played well enough, and he's been too up and down. Every game seems to be a one or a zero in terms of performance, and there's, you know, he's not he's not getting those good regular C performances that you, you'd hope for out of a guy like him that you signed as a as a one or two year stopgap. And the 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 Ravens will have to decide next year whether they want to keep him around at right tackle. There are a lot of factors that would push them to do so, but there's others that would make them decide that, you know, we really can't afford to do so. And one of the things is that we saw from PFF is that Howard had some of the highest 
percentage of help of any tackle in the league. And Howard and Stanley were both in the top five in terms of getting help from either a guard or a chip block from a tight end or a running back. So um, that's a, it's a, you know, he's, he's not grading all that well, and he's also getting a lot of help is not a good combination. Last guy in the category is Mike Wallace, who, uh, you know, may or may not be around next year. He's, he's complaining about a lot of things. He hasn't had a whole lot of catches. He's got uh, something like 267 yards right now, and 133 of that was in the one game. He wants to see more shots down the field, but, you know, he's just he's having a bad year. Honestly. I want to see more shots down the field, too, if we're just oh, bringing it up. I think I want to see more shots and less dump downs. I think, I think that's fair. I'd love to see a looser, uh, you know, secondary. I'd love to see more manufactured time and space that would allow Flacco to make some choices in the middle of the field late. Uh, but, uh, you know, so far that, that hasn't worked out. Right. I want to see Flacco having fun out there is what I want to see. Mm-hmm. And we haven't seen that this year much. Um, you mentioned Flacco parting ways at some point, and then it goes into a little bit of a rebuild. And you don't think it's this off season for that, right? I don't think so. But I don't ever really know what the Ravens are thinking in the front office. And it, it would be a very big dollar amount to eat. They do have some cap money or dead money coming off this next year, which would lead me to believe that they, they could think about doing it. But it's like a pig and a python, if you've heard that, that story. You know, it, it's, it's going to hurt to have this go through. Maybe it's like, you know, swallowing razor blades and right. having to have them pass. You know, it's a, it's a, it's going to hurt to, to have uh, to have him released. And at some point they're going to have to make the decision. And, and ideally you'd want to have two, one of two things be true. You either have a top five draft pick lined up that year, or you have a second, third, fourth round, or I won't say what round, but you have a developmental quarterback who's already had two years in the league that you really believe in. That's gotten some playing time with you and Joe is hurt. And, the unfortunate thing about that and the difficulty in drafting like a second, a third, or a fourth round pick like like uh, other teams have done and trying to develop him into, into a quarterback is that as soon as Flacco plays poorly, there's a quarterback controversy in Baltimore. And nobody really wants that. I mean, nobody really wants to go through the pain of a quarterback controversy uh, and, and all the, uh, right. it's the crap and circus that goes around with that. Yeah, it's really hard to do a smooth transition yes. when changing quarterbacks. It's, it's very hard. I mean, the, the only... The only one that was ever done well recently was Peyton Manning for luck. When the that was that wasn't that wasn't done smooth. Peyton didn't yeah. want to leave Indianapolis. Yeah, they, he was they, hurt, they, and they and they let him go. They they let him go, and then they had the suck for luck season, and they indeed sucked and got luck. Right. And and then he, he's he hasn't been perfect, but he's been uh, he was a, that was a good exchange of quarterbacks. Yeah, there. even even Favre leaving Green Bay wasn't smooth. It's, You're right. It's it's really tough. I can't think of any uh, any smooth transition to quarterback that has happened in, in recent time. Um, right. I really am. The more I think about it, the more I'm starting to think that Flacco and Harbaugh are linked, mm-hmm. and that it might not be this off season. You might wait till next season, but they both go at the same time. Yeah, that's quite possibly true. Um, or it might be one and then the other, one season apart. If, if you know, if that kind of, if the next guy doesn't work out, or if they hire a coach to, to come in who, who thinks he can work with Flacco and and get more out of him, but then that doesn't work out. Um, you know, all those things are possible. I, I do think there's the, the fuse is lit right now for Flacco. I I think the only way he puts it out, and 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 really answers the critic is by 
a tremendous step up in play where we see a return to a more confident Flacco, probably working with more weapons, but feeling more confident himself to take time in the pocket to make those late throws that uh, that are going to lead to more yards per throw in total. All right, maybe once in a while when you're doing these commercials, Flacco, just mention that football is important to you too. Instead yeah, of just, and, I get it just that family. your family's important, but we need we need some <laughs> football in there as well. Yeah, Josh, you insensitive bastard. Yeah, the last thing I want to hear from you, Joe, is that your family's important yeah. to you. I mean, <laughs> get hey, the damn playbook. Exactly. <laughs> I, I know how things work. You can juggle family and football. But, but let's get a little bit more football in you. <laughs> All right. Let's go back here because we, we got sidetracked with the Flacco thing. I really want to talk about the transitional category. Oh, yeah, the, and why. the Bouchard Perryman category. Yeah, except he's not there. It yeah, must be a misprint of some sort. Definitely a misprint. Okay, we understand. It's under protest. I'm going to leave uh, the country because of it. We, we, we had, yes. <laughs> We never stop hearing about your vacation. It's the gift that keeps keeps on giving. Exactly. It's when when Earl Weaver got tossed out at both ends of a doubleheader uh, in 1979. I think it was. He protested the first game of a doubleheader based on the umpire's integrity. It was Ron Luciano who was the the umpire who threw him out, and. Um, he made them read exactly that over the air. Anyway, so you can do the same thing, uh, protesting the evaluator's right. integrity. And you, you, All right, you. let's get to the transitional players. Let's just get okay. into this. Okay, so the transitional players, I'll read off the names. Luke Polanco, veteran. Uh, Michael Campanero, now in his fourth year. I have no idea what his future is with the Ravens, but I'm not expecting much. Right. Ga- Gavin Escobar <laughs> is a veteran who's here, I think, only as a stopgap for the rest of this year. Um, Ryan Mallett. Oh, no quarterback uh, controversy? No, there's no quarterback controversy. Whoever, the Ravens' next quarterback is not on the roster. Right. Um, I feel confident saying that. Vince Mayo um, uh, is not uh, is a decent special teams player, but he's not an answer. Uh, Bobby Rainey is a sixth-year, I think, running back who you know is it would be transitional no matter what. He'll always right. be insecure about his job. Maurice Shakir is about the fifteenth lineman, maybe sixteenth, and he's now up and on the roster actually now with the Ravens. So uh, uh, oddball situation, but probably will never play it down. Uh, Terrence West, unfortunately, the injury. Uh, he's out now. He he also had some fumbling problems this year. There's a couple of box backs are clearly ahead of him. I think. He's probably out, and this being his fourth year, so I think he'll be uh, likely not with the Ravens sure. next year or fighting for a job at the very best. Crockett Gilmore has been hurt too much, and now this is his fourth year, so I expect him to be gone. Um, Brandon Cublano, we never knew you. Uh, you know, probably would still be the 15th lineman on this team. Stefan Nembot is a guy who it's possible he could be back again and try and get in with the Ravens because he is a tackle and the league is very short on tackles. So if you have to pick one player out of this group who might still be around for some value for the Ravens, Nembot might be it. Uh, has, he last... been, has he been playing this year? No, no. He's, okay. he's, uh, he's on the roster, but he's uh, on IR. All right. Same with Cablano. Neither of those guys. Uh, I was going to say, I have never seen now. Nembot out of these right. games. Yeah, he, he played in the preseason. Um, Tim Tim White is a wide receiver who got everybody excited in camp, but yeah. hasn't been around. And we've been excited by receivers in camp, whether it's uh, I'm trying to think of the guy who was last year, which is the problem you usually forget about him. But Quincy Quincy out of Boyjo, and the guy who went to Tampa that they really wish they had the second half of 2016. Can't remember his name though right now, so it's, it's a shame. But anyway, the uh, uh, it's a group of players that is extraordinarily large. So 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 players that you don't see any future for on one side of the football. 
that's really bad. It's not completely surprising given the total number of injuries the Ravens have and the number of gaps they've had to fill with guys like Boanko and Escobar and Mayo and Rainey and Shakir and that's it. Those are really the guys they've, they've filled in with. Uh, and the number of other injuries they had to kind of marginal players in camp like Cabano and Nembot and people like that. But, uh, you know, it's it's just a very weak group, and, and I most of those guys will not be with the team next year. I guess Ryan Mallett might be as the backup again, but uh, but that's pretty much uh, the only one who's really likely to be with the team. All right, let's get into the mailbag. And like you would think with a struggling offense, the mailbag, a lot of questions are already looking to the future. So we'll start with G.W. Shearer, who says, which is the biggest priority for the draft? Quarterback, wide receiver, offensive lineman? Okay, that's fair. So it's, it's actually a, a relativizing question and not one of these that's a, that's a rhetorical question. So I would say that uh, quarterback I would not put at the top of the draft because I don't think they'll, take, they'll use a number one on that. So I think it's wide receiver or offensive line is, is a reasonable one that they could go one with. Uh, they could use a one at safety. If a real playmaking safety is available, I don't think that would be an unreasonable usage, even though, oh, my God, another defensive player. They could pick a tight end, possibly, depending on where they're picking in the first round. I like a tight end in the 20s a lot more than I like a tight end in the top 10. So where they end up drafting might really play a factor in that. Um, I'd love to get a real tackle, but towards the you know the mid-teens and 20s, you're not going to get a very good offensive tackle, likely, at that point. So... Um, you know, I like. I guess I like a wide receiver, and I like a safety. Would be my two biggest, best uses for the for the draft pick in the first round. All right, so you're still leaning on defense. I, I, I you know, I think they need another safety at this point, but I'm not. I'm not leaning entirely on defense. Okay, I think they do need to have an offense-heavy draft. Yeah. All right, uh, Minion Hunter, the guy who has the possessed DVR that seems to speed up and slow down during <laughs> NFL games, he asks. Uh, he saw Harbaugh in his press conference seem to blame the first interception on route spacing, which allowed Logan Ryan to peel off and tip the ball when Perriman should have had an easy catch-and-run TD. Is he blaming Marty Morneweg in this? Uh, his actual words were the spacing of the routes, the timing of the routes, and making a play on the ball. Yeah, so those are Harbaugh's actual routes were exactly as Josh said. So he, he mentioned three factors, that the routes were not spaced properly, and that's that could be true. If you look at the overhead, um, the, the routes were close enough that it did allow Ryan to peel off to affect that pass where he shouldn't have been able to do that. Um, but that could have been offset had Perriman gone up for that ball, and it probably would have resulted in a dropped ball that was also a defenseless receiver foul. That- so the Ravens would have gotten 15 yards out of it, and... And I'm sure you'd have been happy with that, right? Well, that's the frustrating thing about Perriman is he doesn't seem to put in the extra effort to try and fight for a ball. You know, the Ravens had Clarence Moore a few years back ago, a big receiver, had a little bit of speed, liked to run a nine route only pretty much, along with one route in the end zone called Zipper, which is in the back of the end zone that where he could leap up high for the ball. But receivers who are not confident in their ability to take a hit to their ribs tend to be a real problem. Yeah, um, especially when we had a guy like, with like Torrey Smith who lived off the defensive pass interference cause. Uh, so yeah, that's... you know what? The other the other difference between Torrey Smith and and, uh, and Perriman, which is one we've talked about before, is Perriman is not good at running through contact. 
So receivers have to get good at that because the, the cornerbacks, they're always trying to press you, and then once they're done pressing with you and they're running with you down the sidelines, they're trying to hand-check you and distract you with arm arm stuff right. that, that you have to be able to out-physical that corner who's a smaller guy, get past his arm moves, make your own arm moves on him, and, and get down the sideline past the guy, disengage, and, and you know when you're even, you're leaving, you better actually leave. Yeah, especially when every year the rules adjust in your favor. That's that's true. They have made it easier for the receivers. So, all right, we got to blame someone, and Matt D. Simmons says, in my opinion, the offensive roster isn't the main problem. Teams do more with less. Just look at the Jets. Morningway clearly has no idea how to get the best out of Flacco. If Harbaugh stays, he needs to find a guy who understands the modern league or bring back Kubiak. Okay. I mean... I'm, I'd be excited about having Kubiak board oh, back, and, and, and it wouldn't even be that terrible if Morningweg stayed around the building somehow. I mean, whether he's quarterback coach for Flacco as he was before or, or is in some other role, I have seen creativity out of the offense this year. They've run the ball a lot of different ways. I don't know how to evaluate how much of that is Morningweg and how much of it is Roman. So I've given most of the credit to Roman, but it may be that Morningweg is a is a large proponent of these multiple formations and the you know the full house backfield and all the things they flex with the tight ends and have a pony backfield sometimes. I mean they've done more creative things with the running game this year than they've done in in a lot of years. But of course that gets to Matt's point is that all those things would have been great innovations in about 1935 into the NFL. But in in 2017, right? Yes, 2017 now, they're not that great. Um, I think if they can sign Kubiak early, that could save Harbaugh's job for another year. Yeah, I agree. So Clipper and Crows wants to talk about Cam Newton. Are the passing issues related to plays needing too much time to develop like the issue was when we had Cam as offensive coordinator? So Cam Cameron. So, Who did um, I say? Cam, did I say Cam, Cam Newton? Cam, yeah, but that's good. I if, wish if we had Cam Newton. Cam, Can Cam <laughs> Newton be our quarterback controversy? Yeah. That, well, then we would. We'd, we'd have a lot of things said, but we'd but you know you'd at least get a player on Sunday that would be a little bit better, and, and, probably. Yeah, and I think Cam Newton does have more time for plays to develop. Yeah. <laughs> so um, with Cam Cameron, I thought they did a good job in Flacco's early season. So if, Cameron was not his guy in two thousand and eight. So I'm trying to remember exactly the progression of offensive coordinators because it's been quite the group that's come through. Cameron was still around to get a ring in 2012. So anyway, the the player the the offensive coordinators who did the most for Joe was when they started really doing the boot as much as they did. I think that was in about 2010 that they really started that. So I'm trying to remember who was the offensive coordinator then. But uh, uh, Cam continued with the boot. Yeah, before Cam. Yeah, before Cam. Okay, I don't know. It, I know it was Cam Tressman Morningweg, right? Cam Tressman. No, we got somebody else in there someone? too. Yeah. All right. Uh, either way. That's okay. Go ahead. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to it. So anyway, uh, yes, I agree. It's very important for, for plays to take more time to develop. And one way, they, they do have ways to do that. They can keep more players in the block. I think we've seen more of that the last week. And by the way... Ample time and space was not the problem for Flacco in this last game. The uh, particularly on the last drive, Tennessee effectively gave Flacco ample time and space and dared him to beat the secondary. And he he did drive him up the field for a touchdown on that drive, but it took four minutes when they had 
what, about four minutes and 30 seconds or something, and they ended up with about 50 seconds when they were doing the onside kick. But they had a lot of, I'm looking for it here, but I'm missing my particular sheet for the fourth quarter. Anyway, they had a lot of plays with ample time and space on that on that final drive. All right. Uh, I'm getting a theme here about the offense and these questions. So uh, here's one. Why even bother covering Perryman? Is what well, Shane you know, Owen that goes in the, our rhetorical say. question bucket. It's not like I don't appreciate the question. You know, we don't have enough to name I, the I think, I think it's an interesting move. What would happen if you left Perriman <laughs> wide open? Would he catch the ball? I guess if you leave him wide open, you don't get the interception. Yeah, yeah. Who wants to give up on the interception, right? Right. Um, okay. Well, anyway, we, we we appreciate the rhetorical questions. Perriman has to be treated like a real wide receiver who actually was a number one draft pick and. Maybe you don't treat him like a number one draft pick anymore, but you do have to treat him like an actual receiver, and, and the Ravens need to as well in terms of designing opportunities for him still. Uh, all right. Well, Brown Derrick, 49, says, do you think Perriman is living up to his first-round selection, and is it official that clear that Joe has got to go? I think we've we, covered we, both of these in the uh, today. Yes, and, and the rhetorical questions. I mean, please, let's come up with some specific, oftentimes a schematic or technical questions. But I do appreciate the fact that you're listening, Brown underscore Derek 49. Uh, but uh, we'd love to have a question that's, that's more specific and tactical. All right. Uh, Connor Brooks asks, is Gary Kubiak the ideal offensive coordinator for this team? Everyone in Baltimore thinks so. You know, he, Flacco was so good with him in 14, and the running game was effective. He made a star out of, I guess it was Forsett that year. Um, you know, a lot of things were good about that team. They had a better offensive line, certainly, uh, all things put together. So, uh, yes, I, I would love to see Gary Kubiak back here as an offensive coordinator. Uh, there are issues with doing it, but it's one of the places where you can upgrade the team with a with a coaching move, and that would be exciting. Right. It's 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 all about Joe. And when we look back so fondly about that season with Joe and how uh, he and Kubiak got along, Mr. Ed asks if play action calls recently have been designed to keep Joe in the pocket, and how's that is that success rate higher than when he rolls out? You know, it's interesting what he what Mr. Ed is saying here because. Uh, I have still noticed them doing a lot of the same play, which is zone block left, naked boot right. Okay, so they, they, they fake the handoff on a zone blocking play to the left. Effectively, all the linemen are out front, and basically there is one edge defender that needs to be fooled on the play. And even this last game, when Joe's been running that same play for about eight years now and a lot, um, you know, you saw the edge defender completely fooled by that. And in fact, chase after the running back who didn't have the ball. Flacco had a lot of time, and he still threw the ball underneath. So I think some of that's on Joe, that when he gets outside the pocket, he needs to try to throw down the field more often. When he had Torrey Smith, the ball would always go down the field, or it seemed like it would go down the field a whole lot of the time. And that's where he got both some long receptions and some tremendously long pass interference calls. So Torrey Smith's second year, I believe it was, he had the three longest pass interference calls in the entire NFL that year, 50, 50, and 60 yards. All right. Uh, Dan Basel, or Baz1, has a whole bunch of questions here that basically he is saying the Ravens do a horrible job with scouting wide receivers. And we keep mm-hmm. misreading the talent, and they fail. How can we get better at that? Okay, so his spe- his question specifically is: Could we do something to poach one of the Steelers scouts, whoever the the guy right. is? So he's that's saying figuring the Steelers do a whole lot better job. 
Yeah, so could we get one of their guys? And that's, a, that's an interesting idea. Can you try and poach talent from another team, offer them money, and and bring somebody in from their staff to, to help the scouting of wide receivers for the Ravens? It's a creative idea, and I think it's you know it's something that uh, the Ravens could do by poaching a Steelers scout, or, or you could just develop somebody who's a who's a great scout internally that that hasn't seemed to work or the third choice would be you bring in somebody else who's really well known for it not necessarily with the Steelers but somewhere in the NFL well and it's it's also it's also tough when they don't bring in high level wide receivers very often right so it's it's hard to to compare them that way uh he also asks if the Ravens should draft a free safety and um because cornerbacks are well well stocked yeah, I think that's a little. We, we talked about it a little bit, yeah. but free safety and a, and a playmaker like that is someone I think is worthy of a first round pick if the right guy is there this next year. You don't want to ever be locked into one particular position, so you hope hopefully you have four or five positions at which you could make that number one pick. And I think free safety is a legitimate choice to do it this next year. All right, here's a new question for you. No Flacco, no Perriman. Michael E. Herb asks. How would you rate the Titans O-line versus the Ravens O-line versus the NFL in general's O-line play? Okay, well, I think the Ravens have done a really good job of doing a lot with a little on the offensive line. They've obviously had a ton of injuries, and they've gotten a lot of players out of, they've certainly gotten more than we expected at the beginning of the year out of Jensen, and they've gotten more than they could expect out of the beginning of the year out of Hurst. You know, when, when a lot of people consider that an absolute disaster to have him be in there. Uh, I think you could say they did a pretty good job finding a stopgap in Howard, uh, and they certainly have gotten a lot out of Matt Skura. So I, I, they've done a good job of getting a lot out of Little, but the Titans' out, uh, offensive line, I'd say, is definitely better, and I love the Titans' tackles, in particular Luan and Conklin, uh, who is one of the best pair of bookends in the entire NFL. Right. Um, all right, Ken. Well, thankfully, we have football back in about four or five days. Uh, as the Ravens face Green Bay and kick off this second half and try to win every game to make a push into these playoffs. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's not the situation is not as bleak, and it begins in Green Bay. They they need to win either five or six of these games. Five if they lose to an NFC team. Six if they beat both NFC teams. All right, so gotta win to make it easier. I mean, you got to beat all these backup quarterbacks that we've been facing lately. And without Aaron Rodgers, you would think this is a game that the Ravens can win. We'll just find out if they will. That's right. All right. Uh, again, you've been writing on Russell Street Report all week during the bye week. What else do you have out there that people can go read? Really in-depth offensive breakdowns? Yeah, in-depth offensive breakdowns. This is an opportunity to maybe go back and, and listen to a couple podcasts Josh and I did earlier. If that's not your bag, maybe read some of the old articles from earlier. It's uh, at russellstreetreport.com, and uh, the column name is Film Study. Follow me online. It's at Ravens. Uh, sorry, Film Study Ravens. And uh, tell them which, where you, they can follow you, Josh. Section 336, we talk Baltimore sports. We talk Orioles, Ravens, and we make fun of millennials. And this week, I believe that Ken McCusick will be a guest for us this week. Oh, man, you're bringing so, out the A talent. Every once in a while, we, we've been able to track him down for the first time this season, so that'll be, that's always fun. At, at, isn't, don't you have a vacation coming up, too, that you should be telling us about? Because uh, I seem to remember hearing about that. Yeah, I believe I am in Nassau as we record right now. Oh, that's so good. I, I believe that I will be there, and it's like low 80s. So I think that's nice weather to be out on the beach. 
Yeah, certainly. We got that cold here, cold weather here. So you you enjoy that. Man. All right, you enjoy the it. cold weather. Uh, at least we're not in Green Bay, and we'll see that on Sunday. All right, take it easy, Josh. Bye. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.